Welcome to the Panza Panza Forum. In the Yoruba language, the word panza is usually injected into poetry to express an uncomfortable, uncensored and inconvenient truth. The Panza Panza Forum is candid conversations about the life of African immigrants in America as it relates to their adaptation to their new home. While some may find it easy to integrate and can balance between retaining the original African culture while accepting the culture of their new home, many continue to struggle to find a balance between both worlds. Hello and welcome to Panza Panza Live. This is a podcast where we discuss the lives of African immigrants and their assimilation into Western society as they raise younger generations in a country that is quite different from their own. We also explore the experiences of children of immigrants as they balance the African and Western cultures. I am your host, Baba, and together with the founder of Panza Panza and my co-host, Ms. Kemi Sariki, we present to you this informative, interesting, and expansive dialogue about the intricate experiences of African immigrants in America. Welcome to Pansa Pansa Live Podcast. I'm your host, Kemi Seriki, and today we are honored to have two guests, Ms. Senat Admasu, the founder and the president of African Community Public Health Coalition, which is also known as ACPHC. Also with us from the same organization is Mr. Alpha Timbo, is the licensed clinical director at the same program. These two pioneers have dedicated their career in changing lives within African immigrant community in Los Angeles, California, through mental health advocacy and providing culturally sensitive service to address mental health and mental wellness to member of African immigrant community in Los Angeles, California. Welcome to Pansa Pansa Live Podcast, Ms. Admasu and Mr. Timbo. Again, it's such a pleasure to have both of you on this show, and I want to thank you for setting aside this time to be a guest on this show. I'm excited about this wealth of information you're about to share to members of our audience. And I came across your organization, ACPHC, through social media. I've never heard of it before, so I immediately went on your website, and I was really impressed by such services that existed within African immigrant community in Los Angeles. And I wish you could extend it all over United States where African immigrants are actually residing because the idea of mental health issue is a growing concern within our community uh, as a result of various reasons, as we know. So before we go further into this discussion, can you fully introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your background to our audience and your role at African Community Health Coalition? Okay, I'll go. Thank you so much, Ms. Kimi, to invite us to join to your initiative. I'm really, really honored you for what you're doing. I think that's what is missing in our community. My name is Sinait, as you introduced me. I am the president of the African Communities Public Health Coalition, and also known as, as African Coalition. I think that's the best, because that's what we known in LA, at least. The organization was founded by us. It's immigrant-driven, community-based organization. 
And the response mental health issue among the immigrants and African descent immigrants. So we had this organization, we had to found it because most of us coming from the social work career, what a discipline, I would say, my colleagues. So we are obviously, we know this, how to serve others, other communities. So the ultimate goal is why not our community? As we see it, mental health tends to be a taboo and in pre-imposed migration is impacted our life, day-to-day life in immigrant refugee communities, more so the language barrier, acculturation process, there's so many gaps within um, in our community. That's how we came up with that idea. So why don't we do this? So it's not to say there's no services, but we do have services as provided by public entity, such as Department of Mental Health in LA County, but also to expand and improve the service being delivered to ethnic communities. And that's what we're doing. So I will stop and then he can introduce and he can ask me some other thing. Okay. Mr. Timbo. Yeah. Good morning, uh, Mr. Ricky. My name is Alfred G. Timbo. I'm a, a licensed clinical social worker in Los Angeles. I came to the United States um, some time ago and I was never thinking that I was going to be a social worker, but uh, things happens. For the years I've been in Los Angeles, I've worked mainly in South Los Angeles with uh, marginalized communities, uh, trying to support them as much as I can so that they can be able to increase their qualities of life in the mental health area and also providing services to children and families, both for the Department of Mental Health and the Department of Children and Family Services in Los Angeles. However, the African Coalition is an idea that was fostered in making sure that we meet the needs of our communities, which have been neglected for so long meaning that either they don't know how to navigate the system to get services or they do not have the services because of a lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. So myself and Sanait are working to help our people through the African coalition has been something new and we are very proud of whatever we're doing to make sure that we reduce stigmatization, as he said, and also meets the needs of the children and families that are migrating here from Africa. That's why I focus right now. So I'm going to just stop there and uh, you can go ahead with your questions. Thank you. Thank you so much. So what year did you start this organization? Is your focus on children or adults or holistically the whole family? This organization are historical. We were just the advocacy group back in 2008, 2009. That's where the suicide rate was high among communities and ethnic communities, more so at that time, Ethiopian communities. So we got involved because, as I said, we both, all of us as clinicians, uh, we work with Department of Mental Health in LA County, assisted in assessing the community. What's the gap? Why is this happening a lot in the migrant community? And so that to give us 2008 to 2010, and the outcome was great. And we did a focus group, all the assessment and the research base. In uh, 2011, we become the organization entity, incorporated 2011, exactly 10 years in this month. Um, so wow. the is, yes, we, it's, yeah, I'm so honored. We have a great team. Most of us have the, the immigrant background. We have Nigerians, we have Sierra Leone, Ethiopian, Liberian, Ghana, of course, Sierra Leone, as I said, also all of us, the combination of immigrant descendant. And that's what makes it unique because we also speak more than 10 different African languages among us, staff. 
Most of our staff are the first and second generation African descendant. We did this intentionally. So people, when what they come in, they feel comfortable and they feel that so we can build a trust, as Alpha say. One of the barriers we have seeking for mental health is a lack of knowledge and not also not now having a relationship or trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're trying to make it feel at home, one center where they can step in, whether it's social service provider, case management, or mental health with a trustee agent. And that's who we are. Right now, we provide to all ages, all gender. As I say, even if it's the children, as you say, holistically, we engaged the family at first and also included the children as a system. That's what we do. So it's everybody's welcome here. Whether you're documented, undocumented, we just serve a human. That's what we do. Let's put it that way. We're lucky we have a lot of people, not just with looking for the job, with passion and a good heart. And that's what's missing nowadays with the service. You know, everybody can get a service anywhere, but you have to put that in perspective yeah. that what is that? We have to look as basic need, what is um, as a human, especially as a migrant, what do we need to come here? Uh, because we have the experience being immigrants. And the language is one. The second is like the social status we have, the day-to-day um, stressors. And those are the kind of things we have to acknowledge before we diagnose someone else with a clinical perspective, which makes a little bit different than the regular traditional services. That's where we are, just to answer. I hope I answered your question. Yes, you did. You did. Even more than <laughs> what I expected. So what are some of the challenges you see in immigrant community when it comes to seeking mental health care? And as a provider, what are the challenges you face as it relates to client compliances? My colleague will say that because he's a clinical director and there's a lot of things to uh, not only diagnosis, and I think I'll leave this to Alpha. Thank you for asking that question. That's a very good question. That's the very reason why we started the services, the program itself. One of the barriers, I mean, it's a lot of barriers, but I'm just going to give you a few of them. One of the barriers that we always have in our communities is the fact that people do not understand mental health, what mental health is all about, okay? And the reason being that we came from a culture wherein we don't discuss mental health. We don't even look at it with a positive eye or something to be solved or something that can be solved. So mental health is like for most Africans that are immigrants in this country, it's a taboo. It's something you don't talk about. One of the reasons why people stay away is because they don't want to be associated with anything called mental health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Somebody can have some anxiety issues, somebody can have some trauma, but as soon as you start talking about mental health issues, the way this Western concept talk about mental health, they tend to share away. So one of the things that we try to do is not to talk about mental health in this context. We try not to talk about it in the context of the Western way of looking at things. Yeah. So that's one thing. And secondly, too, it's a lot of stressors in society here. When immigrants come over here, they are too busy taking care of the nitty-gritty things, meaning the day-to-day things to make their families survive. And in the process, they have extreme mental health issues. Either it can be depression, it can be anxiety, and also coupled with the stressors coming from home. As we know, most Africans have to take care of themselves here. They have to also send money home to take care of families. So all of that is a struggle. So the time constraints for some of the professionals that are in mental health or that are having mental health issues is also very, 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 very key. But in totality, I can say stigma. Stigma is the main barrier that we have. 
uh, not wanting to associate or not wanting to talk about mental health in the context of trying to see how we can be able to help people that have those problems in our community. That's what is the main issue for us. That's one of the main barriers. I mean, uh, it can go into Christianity, it can go into Islam, it can go into any of the religions. Some of the people that we saw, they think, oh, I'll go to my imam, my imam is going to be able to pray for me, uh, he's going to be able to care on whatever is going on with me. Which, of course, for some that believe in that, well, I'm Muslim, to put it that way. Yes, it can work, but also it's more to it. It's more than that, you know. It's more than, you cannot pray mental health away. Uh, you cannot pray depression away. Yes, you can pray for sure. Prayers do work, but um, there are other things that might be needed. It might be medication compliance or medication support system that might be you might need to take. There are certain things that you need to do in your daily life. You need to release your stress. You need to release whatever you need to do. So those are the things that are very very challenging. Working with the faith community is very, very important. But we all have to be on the same page so that we can be able to do what we can and the faith community can also do what they can. I mean, not that we are successful and they are not successful or they are successful, we're not. But at least if we are all on the same page working together, they do what they can and we do what we can, we're going to go a long way to get to where we want to get to. So that's one of the barriers that we also have. Uh, maybe I can leave the rest for tonight to talk about, but so those are the few things I want to talk about. I don't want to draw a whole lot of time. That's all I have to say in that area right now. You have anything to say? Uh, I covered. It's just like one of the things is also... Uh, we really don't value who we are as immigrants. We think, uh, or others look at us as a burden, as an immigrant, the color immigrant mainly, but we don't see our values, how we contribute any sector in the United States. Mm-hmm. And we hard worker, you know, immigrants that I believe in the other immigrants, because a study show that we are the most educated at this 2016 and 17, we are the most educated immigrants among the whole immigrant, how many millions in the mm-hmm. United States. Mm-hmm. That's a great thing, it really. So we have to be honored how we contribute this to community or society at large versus looking at like we are here just to live American dream. Everybody comes from American dream, but who is putting the effort is us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that's what we're looking at. So what we're trying to do with African Coalition, bring that perspective you know, using our protective factors to empower the community and just navigate to the system, as you said, reducing the stigma to in order to reduce or tackle our risk factors. Risk factors could be something losing our youth, the bicultural youth that they impacted by the new, this Western culture, but we also maintain our you know, a culture where the the country of origin we came from. Those are the kind of things. So we make sure we understood for both perspective before we lose them. Because we don't want to be, yes, we are um, in data and the statistics shows we're the black people, but also we don't want to be just a stereotype. You know, we want to save. That's a risk factor we're trying to reduce. Protective factors is like what he said, that the religious system, that the faith-based organization system, the social support, um, the social groups we create with a family, whether a family or friends, we have that collectiveness. So we like to maintain that protective factors that really protect a community at large. Yeah. That's what we work on. One, the thing we work with, the community leaders, are the very value assets of this organization. They're the one taking us to the community 
okay. understand from different uniqueness of that specific country or the community. Those are the kind of things we work with. The thing is, as I said, one of the things we have, uh, whoever, I don't know about other, but at least what I came from, even others, we don't have such a relationship between government entity and the community at large. So that trust is really always questionable. Mm-hmm. So we come back here with that mentality, not related what is the system. We're not really um, putting some effort invested to become elective official or decision maker for the new generation, even our children. Mm-hmm. Why not? So we're trying to empower, reducing whatever we're thinking about ourselves, you know, and that's what we're working on. Um, in addition to tackle the stigma of mental illness, mental illness comes for the whole factors that social determinant means is the house where we live, the environment, the education, the financial, social support, all that together be the factors of what one's well-being. So we really wanted to tackle everywhere, here and there, mostly by education and raising awareness. That's what we do. Which is very good, which is very, very important. Because like you've been saying, there's so much stigma within our community, which comes from the culture as well as from the religion. I remember a friend who works in social service here who told me that uh, there was a young boy that he has not only mental health issues, he has also learning disability. And the school has been calling the parents to let them know this boy needs evaluation. He needs, we call it IEP here, something educational evaluation or something like that that also goes into deeper into mental health. And the parents didn't budge until the imam actually told the father that they think something is wrong with your son. And all of a sudden he said, yes, you know, the school have told me that before, but I didn't believe that something was wrong. So when the imam finally told him, then the father complied in seeking oh help for his son. So regarding how do you educate all these leaders of the community in terms of letting them know there's a need when it comes to mental health issue, when it comes to learning differences that you know we have, even among a lot of our children, some of them have, may have different diagnoses from ADHD in terms of the behavior aspect of it all to dyslexia. How do you educate members of our community, especially the leaders, who are the religious leaders? What we've been doing in Los Angeles with the African communities, with the religious leaders, myself and Sanait have been doing outreach, meaning that building relationships. Okay. Before the pandemic, uh, we were going from church to church, from masjid to masjid to mosque to mosque, meeting all the African leaders. Uh, not only Africa, we meet um, leaders from different communities too, like European leader, people from Europe, from, from the Middle East, imams from the Middle East. We've done that a whole lot because guess what? Those leaders, I think they have a, most of, uh, well, all of them, I can say, have a very a vested interest in serving people. That's what religious leaders are all about. But they cannot serve in conjunction with us when they think, or some of them think we are against what they do, or we thinking we are against what, no, that's not what it's all about. It's about working together, okay? Exposing the myth about mental health through the religious circle to say that whether you go to the church or you go to the masjid, seeking help because you are depressed or because of the pressures 
uh, because I uh, just like tonight said, because of the social determinants of depression or anxiety or, or mental health in, in general, it doesn't mean anything. You're just trying to increase your quality of life in this society. So that's very, 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 very important. As we all know, as, as tonight said earlier, we are the most educated immigrants, uh, as far as I, I remember, according to statistics. But that does not mean that translates to having the most beneficial jobs. Yeah. So, you see why the, the, the middle is sometimes is a little difficult to connect the two. I'm very educated, but guess what? I don't have a job. Yeah. Some people are very educated back home. They immigrated here. Some of them are lawyers. Some of them are even doctors. But when they come in, they find out their education is not helping them to get to the kind of standard of life that they want to live. That brings in a lot of mental health issues too. It's a lot of things that we need to talk about uh, with the religious uh, leaders. But I know for sure... As I said earlier, we are very spiritual people. We love our imams, we love our pastors, and we working with those people is helping us a whole lot to get into the to outreach to the people that we need to work with in the community that need that help. That's good. So when you reach out to the community, do you educate them about the early signs? of mental illness in terms of, you know, group of parents, because I was so concerned in New York here one time, I had to go to a mox and I had to come up with a diagram of what are the signs, you know, that you have to see when your child is behaving this way, when this kind of behavior is coming up, these are the signs. I even gave some of the parents some of the written um, literature for them to take home. Because each one of them, I have to state each one of the diagnoses, you know, that I copy online. And I have to indicate that, listen, you know, these are the signs. When you start saying certain signs, talk to the school guardian counselor. Talk to other people within the community that will help you, especially connecting with the school. Because in New York here, we don't have anything like your organization that they could feel comfortable and saying that, you know, I'm going to go into an organization that focuses on mental health issue within African immigrant community. So usually push them to the school social worker or some of the social agency within the community. So when you go to the mosque or the churches, do you actually engage in those kind of training also? Let me, let me just, I know somebody want to talk about that, but let me just say, say that. That's a very good question you asked. And that's what the divide we have to be very careful with. Say science, what do you mean by science? You're talking about mental health symptoms and behaviors. Yes. When we go to our communities, when we do outreach, we don't talk it within, we don't discuss mental health within the context of the way Americans or the Western world look at mental health, okay? What we do mostly, we meet our people where they are, meaning that we ask you, what is going on? What are the things that are frustrating? What is happening? How can we help you? I mean, let them define the, the problem. Most nine out of 10 times, our people know the problem, okay? They already know if, they are, if your child is not behaving good in school, you know it more than anybody else. So the question is, we just ask, how can I help you? We're not going to start talking about bipolar disorder or maybe anxiety disorder, depressive. No, no, no. We don't talk about that, okay? Because when we talk about stuff like that, they shy away. So that's, that's mostly we don't discuss that. And we know what is going on, okay? If the husband is beating the wife all the time and... Uh, I mean, nine out of ten times, the wife knows that it's not something normal. Hmm. So just, we just bring it in a way where we understand what, what frustrates you, what is the problem, what is going on in your community, what's going on in your family that is not making you happy, okay? Do you sleep all night looking at the, the ceiling, you know, sleeping, you thinking? 
you know so those are that's a sign of depression but we don't talk about depression we talk about the fact that how can we help you to make sure that we take care of some of these symptoms and behaviors in the african way or in the african cultural lens so that we can be able to make a meaningful impact for them to seek help because they have to decide to seek help okay then we can provide the help that they needed in the community that's how we go about it so meaning that we're trying to provide mental health within the context of who we are Yes. Okay. Uh, we don't go in there and just talking about depression or anxiety or give them a whole lot of times. No, no. If you do that, they're going to run away because the stigma is already there. We meet them where they are. We discuss what is really going on. What are the things that is making you have difficulties adjusting in this society or in your job or with your family or in the community as a whole? What is going on? Then we can go from there. And we also have a support system, meaning that uh, people that really care for them, but they don't want to talk to us directly. We can go to your support system to support you. And because when you trust somebody, then you are more likely to meet that person and be able to get help from, from somebody when we have the trust. So basically, we try to build the trust and engagement in that process. Yeah, that's a good point because like I said, for me, the frustration was so much because we have many of our uh, youth in New York here where the African youth, they involve in different behavior problems. You talk about gangs, you talk about, you know, not going to school, you talk about hanging out, smoking, drinking, you know, drugs and all kinds of things to indicate. And one thing that I know, if uh, an issue is not addressed earlier, the person suffering will look for another self-medication that they're going to get into. And there's so much of that going on within our community especially among our youth, because when they cannot approach the parents and indicate that this is how I'm feeling, whereby the parents might indicate that, what do you mean, what, what are you feeling? Why are you so sad? Why, are you so, why do you think you are so sad? You have food in the house. You have all these things that, you know, when I was back in Africa, none of all those things were existing. So because we consider sadness, there's a misunderstanding between sadness and depression. So the sadness comes into saying that, well, it's a situational issue, whereby you Mm -hmm. are just sad right now, you're supposed to get over it. But what makes you is because you don't have enough food to eat. You have electricity, you have all these amenities. Why are you so depressed? So, (laughs) So that's part of why I think many of our people are not really focusing on a lot of issues regarding mental health issues, and they don't understand why sometimes, you know, uh, some people might be overzealous when it comes to religion. They pray all the time, you know, thinking something is after them, or somebody is throwing some bad luck towards their way. So instead of thinking about maybe it's my mental health that needs to be addressed. I don't know whether Miss um, Sainot has anything to say to that. Well, I think Alpha covered more, but the only thing I'm going to add is what we do here, as you say, how do we outreach and educate means we have to come up with different perspective. Means like we're not focusing on the clinical diagnostic, uh, as Alpha said, we don't come just forward and say, oh, your family has disaster, you know, bipolar, exciting. That's not what we do. At least one of the things we do is we have to normalize that whatever it goes to in the community, whether at home and the community is normal. Just same as you, me as a clinician and alpha, everybody else. Okay. So that's how we build the relationship as an educator. Mm-hmm. Here we are, we have to really assess how we deliver and the language we use to the community in order to bind and just keep us um, enter to the community. Otherwise, there's a barrier 
We don't want to hear that clinical. There's a lot of literature that are written, what diagnosis means, what steps you have to take. And that's what we train with. Yeah. But the point we have this organization is the uniqueness is that's not who we are as community where we came from. We have a culture, we have norms. Uh, we are based on that culture and values. It's our values is more than anything. So how do we um, kind of empower our values, whether it's um, church, whether it's imam or ritual, what we do, we have rituals. We cope with so many years where we came from. Mm-hmm. We have to be added that it's called non-traditional recovery system with a tradition and means Western medicine. Yeah. But we always have to be upfront non-traditional. I think what we're trying to do is in the system here at Western is to bring our recovery system, our tools, our values mm-hmm. before we go to the clinical because it didn't work. The clinical way of diagnostic doesn't work. So when we go, we have to come with the acceptance of who we are mm-hmm. and teaching, bringing our values in the surface. And then we can expand those values and integrate it with the traditional Western medicine. That's what we do. Um, believe me, it works because we need to be valued who we are. You cannot change me, no matter what degree you give me. <laughs> this is who I am as a person. It goes from the childhood, even the science show you. Who you are is where we came from, plus your genetics. Mm-hmm. So we have to really empower and discuss that. Not only that, there's a gap between immigrant community, I believe, within the, just the regular, hardworking people day to day and so-called educated, you know, social classification right here. Mm-hmm. So if we bring someone who said educated and have this knowledge to the community to vest it in the community, those community feels like they are together by who we are as a person. Forget about your social status, what money you make. You have to be human. Make sure you are communicating the language they understand, mm-hmm. okay? Don't bring that journey. So that's the kind of really stepping one, A, B, C. There's no one way to do educated and outreaching because it's very complex within our continent. Mm-hmm. Each community has its own uniqueness. That's why we have to study, learn ourselves. I'm not Sierra Leone. When I go to Sierra Leone community, Alpha took me, it took me years to just walk and say, welcome. You know, I don't expect just the open hand and just like, oh yeah, I know what you're saying. No, that doesn't work. We already came with a lot of things, differences, but we have something in common is doing the right thing for our community, communicate who we are as culture. That's what we do. So it takes one, two, three, four. There's just no such a thing, a formula, or I can tell you, this is what we do. It's this easy thing. No, it's just a process. It's a process how to educate. Let me just add something to what you said. And I'm going to focus on New York. Is something going on about a month and a half, two months ago, about a kid in New York that killed his mother? I don't know if it's that. That kid is from either Senegal or Mali, one of these countries. And I saw the interview with the families in, on social media, in the, in the news, what the brother said about the brother of the mother that said, oh, he killed my sister, you know, and uh, I want this kid to go to jail for the rest of his life or let him even kill him. But I can look at the kid, I know this kid has some mental health issues. I don't have to be in New York to know that. Okay, he's hanging out in the street, he's doing bad things. His, his brother seems to be doing well, it seems like. But this other kid, who is the, I think he's the little one. Mm-hmm. Yes, 
has some major issues. His mother asked him a simple question to not to take something or to not to take money away from whatever, pick up a gun and shot his mother right there. And if that kid could have been caught way long ago and give him some treatment, maybe take him out of the home, do some things with him, help him, maybe that wouldn't have happened. But that always follows me when I saw that. It happens in New York. I don't know if you saw that. I saw it. And even recently, there's another of uh, African youth who was arrested because he touched a lady inappropriately while walking down the street. And uh, the lady ran inside and went and get her boyfriend and everything. He shot the lady dead. And he also shot the boyfriend or husband of this person. So this is part of um, the issue wow. that is going on. It's so intense because just like I said, when something is not being picked up at yes. that stage, it leads into bigger issue later on that is, it will be uncontrollable. Because not just to clarify, not everybody that suffers from mental health issue actually go out and hurt somebody. But when the issue is not being addressed on time, whereby mm-hmm. this person who's supposed to get the appropriate help is not getting it and end up self-medicating themselves with drugs, which is very common on the street. Then, you know, it's not being addressed. The parents are not understanding that this child is actually suffering from major mental health issue, that they could have seek help for that. So that is where the, most of the concerns are. And I'm so happy that with your organization, you're going in in terms of culturally sensitive, in terms of how you approach the community. Because like I said, there's a need for this much more within our community here, whereby I wish we could connect. I don't know whether in Los Angeles, you guys are actually connected also with school, with public school system, whereby many of African children are going to school to be able to connect with the social worker in that school or somebody working with some of these kids to let them know that if there's any help, you see any behavior issue that you think is of any concern, can you please contact our organization? You know, so that's part of why this thing is so much of issue that has to be addressed on the all level that is important. Yeah, um, as far as that, I think we do a lot of advocacy in addition to direct service mental health. Um, Mm -hmm. The advocacy component is what we really are satisfied, whether it's a school issue, whether DCFS, Department of Children and Family Services, whether immigration attorneys that for the asylum or uh, for any other immigration process, we just um, get caught um, in, you know, this problem, which we don't have resources. And that's why we step in uh, to resort what you say on behalf of our community member, uh, whatever it might be, because some of the, the families, unfortunately, don't know the steps of the rules and even their privileges uh, to discuss and to defend themselves and in a family. So we do that a lot. So we're working with so much government entities here. We've been expanding our programs that we have immigration services. We have a staff attorney who can assist with consultation, some other forms, um, including citizenship and green cards. Others, we do tackle some gender-based violence, domestic violence, FGM as being one, rape, sexual abuse. We created, we co-founders of that, the Great Los Angeles FGM Task Force, which we work Department of Homeland Security, 
We do that because we tend to be separated to a government entity coming from being afraid that the stereotype and the barrier we have, but we like to work with government entity that is stand for the public protection. So we could be the agent that we can bridge the gap between the service government provides and the community at large. So we do a lot, even school district and a lot of attorneys, a lot of social workers calling us. One is the language translation. Mm. Second, the misunderstanding of the culture. So that's what we've been doing and we would like to continue that. Yes, the ultimate goal is to tell you, I don't know when, don't ask me, to expand this program to each state, major state like New York, Washington, and some other major cities where we see a lot of problems going on. But, you know, we came a long way because we're trying to break the cycle of the traditional service to empower a teaching to the point, the county, to how to deliver from culturally appropriate service delivery. And that's what we've been doing the last 10 years. Uh, we still have a lot of work to do because we really have to meet in halfway where the public entity and we as a community-based organization to want to be understood where we are and as human and ethnic population. So with God as well, this is going to go on and we might come to your city one of these days. I can't wait. <laughs> and I'll be here to give yeah, as much definitely. as I can. When they come to your organization, they get therapy, form of therapy, right? And then if you feel like a certain person, because at some point you might have somebody with a serious mental health issue that need psychiatric evaluation and help and all that stuff, do you also do the referral for that? The clinical part, Alpha will tell you, yes, but he will give you what the process looks like. The question really, I didn't put it in simple terms, how do people get help when they have a problem like that? So basically, we do what we call an assessment, an evaluation, okay? After we do an assessment, we can determine what are the needs of the family. We go on to create what we call a treatment plan. And that treatment plan is a collaboration between us and the family and the individual himself. But before that, before you would get there, you should have created some kind of rapport with the family, meaning that with the individual. When I say rapport, I mean that, I mean, you have to have a relationship. I mean, because if you don't have that good relationship with somebody, it's going to be hard to help them. Okay? If I don't have a relationship with you, it's difficult for you to trust me or for me to help you. So really try to go out of our way to create that, that rapport with all our families in the community. One, by speaking the language, okay? As, as I said, we have over 10 people, 10 languages we speak in our program. If the person comes from, as you said, an Anglophone country, like in West Africa, like in Nigeria, Ghana, Sierra Leone, Gambia, those Anglophone, they all speak what we call pidgin English. You know that. They all speak, in my country, we call it Creole. That's a lingua franca. We all speak it. It might be a little bit different from place to place, but we all speak it. So if that's the case, if I want to communicate with you in pidgin English, we can do that. We can share some food. We can share some fufu. We can talk about whatever we need to talk so that we can have that rapport. By the time you know it, you're going to trust what I say to you. So if you're hearing voices, I will say something like, okay, maybe, can we probably just try this medication? I'll have somebody look at it. Before you, they will probably look into that and say, okay, I will do it. So that's the way we do it. But we don't do it at the beginning. 
We have to take our time and form that relationship so that we can foster that relationship into something meaningful that's going to be able to help us to get some help with the individual or the family in question. Which is very important because it's formulation of relationship in terms of social work. You have to formulate, no matter what, when you're dealing with public, you have to formulate a relationship and be respectful towards people's cultural background and everything else. We actually allow you to continue to provide that kind of service. So with our community that they don't have a stay in terms of legal stay and they don't have Medicaid, they don't have any medical insurance and they are in need of this service because we have that a lot in New York here. They are in need of seeing a psychiatrist. They are in need of seeing professionals who specialize in certain kind of therapy, intense therapy that maybe CBD, cognitive behavior therapy, or some other stuff that is so intense that they need. <laughs> How do you actually seek help for them? Because they don't have any coverage. They don't have any insurance coverage. How do they get help? I think I can go for it. I think this is a system issue. As I said, the African Coalition level, we're the community-based organization. So we help any human walks in. Whether they have insurance or not, that's not our problem. Yes, we like to get paid, but if it doesn't, that's not what we sign for. But when it comes to medication and seeing psychiatric, other county is really generous, to be honest with. Um, I have to acknowledge that. I believe New York is better. I have to say that. No, no, because I know so. I think you just probably need some agent like us or somebody else with search, know the system, what program is under. Because New York is way better than any other city. Yes, LA County is number one because we have MHSA, Manhattan Service Act, that covers for everybody. So they're generous with us. In other words, like regardless, there is undocumented, undocumented, you know, whatever status you have here, you're covered. So we are a contractor. Within that contract, we have psychiatrists. We can review and consult with our clients. The first diagnostic has to be done here, African community, when they come to this intake process. And if you feel like we have a high level of care, that's what we refer to the doctor, make appointment. That's how it works. So we're clear with that. We, uh, we also have some agent who does strictly like anything, whether physical or behavioral health, they can do it for free because of the county have that kind of plan. So we're so fortunate to be in LA County at this point. I'd like to take that, my gratitude, but I guarantee you New York has one because I've been working with a lot of New York. We have some plans, some programs we adopt from New York, I know for sure. So it's a matter of searching who's doing what. And that's what we need a community-based organization, advocate, know the system or Approach individual who are in this business. There are the social workers, the therapists, doctors. That's what I say. We are separated ourselves from the community at large. This is a call right now to come back to your community. Give what you can. Not necessarily money, but your knowledge is more than anything. Then be able to connect with the system. So that's what you're going to be working on. You can do that your own. She said that. I did that. <laughs> Really, tonight is very right. Fortunately, in Los Angeles County, we have the MHS, the Mental Health Service Act, meaning that it don't deny services for somebody who is undocumented or doesn't have papers or doesn't have a great... We, we provide services for everybody. However, she already said it. I'm just going to add to it. You have to find somebody to navigate, that able to navigate the system, understand how the system works, so that the people that need those services, they can get those, those services. It doesn't matter what their social status might look like. 
It takes a lot of advocacy, it's a lot of research, it's a lot of navigation to find out how that person can be able to be helped in the, in the community. A lot of communities do that, but we don't. And this is why we, we Africans don't, because we don't have the advocacy level in our communities that are going to stand up like we're trying to do to help our people get the kind of help that they need. Because we all pay taxes. We all pay taxes more than just like any other person but guess what when it comes to accessing those services we don't know how to go about it that's how we come in that's how we are there to hold somebody's hand and say you know what i know you might not have a paper but guess what these services are here you can get this kind of help okay a green card i know you're not a citizen but guess what you can still have this kind of service and as far as i know i don't know anybody in la county that has gone to jail for helping somebody who is undocumented. Okay. This has never happened. So LA County is very generous in that area and we hope they're gonna to continue to do that for us. That is so mm -hmm. important because you are so right because in New York here, we have many Latino community that they have been in this country for so long and they know how to navigate through the system and they understand how would they come together to be able to help their fellow people of uh, Latin America, when they have issue, name it different in different aspects of governmental need that they dig into. They formulate different organizations and the language that pulled them together, which is, you know, Spanish language that they speak all together, actually pulled them together as one to be able to seek as much help as they can. And they have many of their fellow Latinos who are in different areas, name it, in different government sectors that they're able to see what law can be passed that will be beneficial to their community. And we could also do the same thing in terms of digging into what are the benefits out there that could be available for African immigrant community. We have to continue to push. And it's also by us working together. Forget about you are Francophone, you are Anglophone Africans and all that stuff, you know, to be able to, how do we educate our community to understand that we're here to help one another, not that we're here to instigate or separate from one another. So, so tell me, what are the best uh, resources that have helped you through your journey in establishing this organization? I think the best asset we have is us. Us, the community members, community leaders, which we never seek for the compensation. Mm. We work just for out of passion, the love of the community. Mm. As human, it is very individual. It's very subjective what you do. Some people you do it, but... I don't know how much I'm going to go. It's a hard job. I'm not blaming anybody, but it's a hard job. But if you put your heart to your willingness, anything can be happened. So when we do, we didn't have any support uh, the last three years, I would say. But we put our effort among our community leaders up front and show we can do this for ourselves. In other words, we work with Department of Mental Health, we work with immigration is a state and county level we've been working with, but we have to come up front to show them this is where we are, this is how we do before we ask any support. Mm -hmm. And then they recognize that we're doing the right thing, expanding what service they provide, where you know the component of that innovation program, whatever they have. And that's how we become really collaborative and the partners, as you say, different ethnic communities, whether Latino or Pacific Islanders or the native, you name it. And we have to learn how to work with together. This is system has been forever. We can't change. The only thing our responsibility is 
find a way, how do we fit within the system to recognize our own issue? We are the one who have to tell, don't expect them to understand to come to you, but you have to meet them halfway. That's the attitude of the principle we took. And it works perfectly fine. It's a long way to go, but at least for now, we are, this is where we are. We've been working closely with the state as actually as a committee that the decision maker from the cultural competency uh, service delivery part mm-hmm. at county level, uh, because we work ourselves hard all the way to let them know who we are, what service has to be delivered within our community. So uh, that's what I can tell you. <laughs> Let me just add to that. That's very true. Uh, Sadaib is talking about the macro level, about how we are doing things. For my own self, I think within the last three to four years before the pandemic, we have really gone out of our way to form relationships within our, our communities itself, meaning that with the faith-based organizations, yeah. the faith-based mosques, the faith-based churches in the community, we have really formed some kind of relationship with them, wherein at least they know who we are. Mm-hmm. And that we also have various organizations, African organizations in the community who know who we are. Yeah. Meaning that, like in Sierra Leone, we have the Sierra Leone Muslim Association, we have the Sierra Leone Brothers and Sisters Association, the Ghanaian Association, the Nigerian Association. Some of those, we go to their functions. They know who we are. So at least I can say one of the resources we have is the fact that our foot is at the door at this time. It's just a matter of extending those relationships to the point that we are able to get into the communities themselves to come for them to come in and get the help that they need. But the relationships is really fostering in our community on a local level. And how much is that? For example, I'm going to give you some example. During all this pandemic, we opened five days. Oh, wow. Because this is when the people need us. We're not just, oh, it's a pandemic. We have to risk ourselves to the point we have to be impacted by the you know, uh, corona, and but we still have to go on. We have five days, full staff. Wow. You know, we're the only one in this building actually going on because we know with the community how much they need us in day-to-day business we do. That's what we sign for, you know. It's not just to say we, we deliver a service. We have to really actually deliver the service. Otherwise, this is when the people will meet you so whether it's mental health, a financial assistant, and some, you know, the housing assistant, as much as we can, some food, some transportation, some medical, um, we have to fill the form for that. We have to refer to the doctor, whatever we have to do, you know, domestic violence is really big at this time. And those are the kind of things we do. So the service is getting expanded more, but it could be done. It could be done. I hope we'll continue some of the time. Yeah, thank you so much. So for the final point, almost to the final, what advice do you have for Africans in the diaspora dealing with mental health issues or have family members who are diagnosed with mental illness, such as tackling it early or people with mental illness can live in, so that they can live a normal life if they are treated in the first place? Before even I answer the question, let me start something that I want people to understand. All African people that immigrated from Africa to here, and everybody who is who came in this country as a, either a refugee or maybe just an immigrant, all understand that what we do back home is means this is the sum total of our life experiences that makes us who we are. When we were back home, when we were born in Africa, there are certain things that are expected of us. Our parents expect us to do certain things. As long as soon as we came in this country and we were able to have kids in this country, 
okay? And these kids that are born in this country are kind of embezzled into the into the, the Western society. This nine out of ten times, a lot of times, there is a schism, meaning that there is a rift between our values, which we talked about earlier, and the values of the kids that were born in this country. As a result, that brings in a lot of friction, a lot of frustration, because we came from Africa where you are born, you are expected to do certain things, and nobody's going to tell you to do them. You just know that's what you're supposed to do. It's different from here. So as a result, the schism or the disconnect between the children and the family is a very, very key area in which mental health issues are fostering in this country. We all need to understand that. But I want each and every African or even each and every refugee or immigrant to know that there is help out there, okay? Because one way we know the sum total of our life experiences makes we who we are. The sum total of those kids that are born in this country makes them who they are. So we need to find a way where we can connect with our kids, our kids and everybody so that we can be on the same page for them to be able to succeed in this society. It's very, very important. There is help out there. But you don't want to just sit down and fold your foot and pray on it for the rest of... No, it's in the Quran. It's in the Bible. You cannot pray a problem away. Even God said, when you pray, take some action. Yeah. Don't just pray and go to sleep. You know, get up in the morning. There is help out there to help your kids. There is help out there to help your wife. There is help out there to help you, to help your colleagues, to help your, your family members from Africa. It's just a matter of getting to the right places, and the African coalition is one of them. So I'm very happy you're here, and thank you for asking all these questions. Thank you. Do you have anything, Mr. Knight? Well, I, what was my message? I was just, you know, as Alpha say, some of us, we're fortunate, some of us, we're still, you know, struggling day-to-day life. You don't have to go back home to help your community. We have a large community that needed help. So just don't be judgmental at any level. Let's just put that away. Uh, let's just meet that person. Be the ear that they you can listen to that someone. Be the help as much as you can. We don't. Sometimes we need to give a little bit. That's okay to give a little bit. I think what we have here, individualism. That's the system we're in. Mm-hmm. It's all about looking at ourselves. Oh, if I do this and. I'm going to hurt if I do this and I'm going to do this and I have to take care of myself. I have to take care of myself. That's all good. Yes, we have to take care of ourselves before we help somebody else. That's the whole principle. But again, how much we can give. I think in theory, we all want to do something, but we have to step up. It doesn't have to be an organization. It doesn't have to be a big entity. It could be just individual. That individual be the friend of that next to you. Uh, that would be the best way we can start. And then if you put your heart into it, believe me, it's going to go to be whatever it's going to go. That's what exactly what we did. You know, when we meet, we met a lot of us from different background, disciplinary background, different language, different culture, different religion, but we have something common in our heart that we all are ready to give something. And then when it's a, a challenge time, and that's what we support each other to go through because we have a long vision and mission. That's what I suggest. Just be the help as much as you can. Thank you so much. Thank you. How can our listener connect with you online or donate to help this noble project that you're doing? We have the, our website is www.africancoalition.org. It's one word. I think we have a link there. You can call us at 213-909-0985. 
You can also reach us info at africancoalition.org if you have a message and just to send us some information. Otherwise, yeah, that's our number, um, 213-909-0985. Really, thank you so much. I really appreciate what you do. This is what you start. This is, this is what means help. Yes. You're doing a lot of work yes. by bringing awareness and sharing information, networking, mm-hmm. all that, you know. So we really appreciate it. We look forward to working with you yes. and the next step, and hopefully uh, we meet in person one day. Yeah, yeah, maybe hopefully I might come to Los Angeles. So African yep. Community Public Health Coalition is giving people voice to speak up. And the organization is normalizing open conversation on mental health and mental illness within our community. As we publicly discuss difficult issue within our community, we are shredding away stigma associated with this uncomfortable dialogue. I really want to thank you, Ms. Sinat Amatsu and Mr. Alpha Timbo for this wealth of knowledge you brought to our audience regarding this important subject on mental health wellness and mental illness within African immigrant community. So in closing, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Pansa Pansa Live Podcast. We hope to have you back with us on the next episode as we continue to explore the nuances of African immigrant experience. If you'd like to connect with us, you can email us at talk at pansapansa.org or follow us on Instagram at pansa dot pansa forum next time remember to speak kindness and love we hope to have you back with us in the next episode as we continue to explore the nuances of the african immigrant experience if you'd like to connect with us you can email us at talk at pansapansa.org that is t-a-l-k at p-a-n-s-a p-a-n-s-a dot org and follow us on Instagram at pansa.pansaforum. Until next time, remember to spread kindness and love. Thank you and take care of yourselves.